Well, good evening. Hello. Glad y'all are here. Um, my name is Bryce Erickson, and this is my lovely wife, Elizabeth. We've been married for a little over nine years, and we have three children, a boy and two girls, uh, five and a half, four, and almost three. We're here today to testify to you about the journey of our marriage, but mostly about a generous, gracious God who continues to this day shape our hearts like clay and give us life, love, and laughter. If you had asked us at our wedding reception what we thought we were getting into, you probably would have heard us say things like excitement, optimism, joy, well-laid plans, and that we were going into this thing with our eyes wide open. In hindsight, here are some words that have actually described our journey. Pride, depression, conflict, cancer, self-centeredness, self-pity, self-righteousness, people-pleasing, anger. However, but increasingly, forgiveness, grace, reconciliation, and three kids in two and a half years. Today, God is teaching us to fan the flame of the gift of God, which does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Therefore, we are not ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, but we strive to suffer for the good news that is the gospel. 2 Timothy 1, 6-8. Little about me, I grew up in a Christian home that believed in God and the Lordship of Jesus and operated under the Judeo-Christian ethic. On a relativity scale, we were more religious than most, but I would not characterize that we were one that was fully devoted to Christ either. My parents and brothers loved me, and I am grateful for my upbringing. I became a Christian before I was 10. I gained some great qualities from my childhood, such as a a great education, a lot of practical knowledge and independence, personal humility that was born out of trials, particularly during my junior high years. But I also took some other baggage with me, such as pride, self-sufficiency, and I was a chronic people-pleaser. And I had a twisted understanding of conflict. All of those demons would later come to haunt me in my marriage. I grew up in a Christian home right here in Dallas as well. I feel blessed. I knew from a very young age about Christ and his love for me. My mom and dad taught me lots of scripture and prayed for me and with me most every night. I have two older brothers, so I'm the only girl. My parents provided an opportunity to learn many things and created a hunger for learning My younger years were marked with family fun, playing sports, and chasing my brothers around. But as I got older, that changed, and due to my brother's rebellion, some chaos entered our home. Much of the conflict stemmed from their lack of unity in how to parent my brother. During this time, there were arguments and yelling, and I had a lot of fear, even sometimes crying in my room while they fought. I learned from my family during this time to hide our problems, to avoid conflict, and frankly, to please my parents by not becoming like my brother. My parents were overwhelmed with challenges. Um, of my brother, I felt, some of my, I felt some of my preteen issues paled in comparison to the addiction and rebellion of my older brother. I learned to stuff my problems if it didn't seem big enough to merit their attention. Some of the early seeds of my depression struggles were planted during this time. These unhealthy patterns resurfaced in our marriage. I went on to Baylor University and graduated in 1998. Upon graduation, I considered seminary, but instead had a detour and lived in Colorado for four years. Bryce and I met right before I began seminary on a blind date, and we dated for nearly two years. We were both pretty guarded at the time, but I knew before Bryce he was the man I wanted to be with. 
My depression was really kept at bay during this time. We got married in June 05. The early years of our marriage were marked by joy and growth mixed with frustration. It was a bit of a roller coaster. I had developed expectations that our marriage would flourish immediately since we had checked certain boxes that one, we were Christians, two, we had waited till later in life to marry, and three, we took premarital counseling. <clears throat> I was wrong. <laughs> we learned a lesson that was well captured in an Ann Landers com- column, for those of you who remember who she was, when she said that getting a marriage license doesn't guarantee a good marriage any more than getting a fishing license assures you'll catch a fish. It just gives you the legal right to try. The seeds of pride, people-pleasing, and conflict avoidance that I mentioned earlier began to bear fruit. I got easily angered when Elizabeth did not meet my expectations and struggled how to communicate with her, which led to a cycle of peace, a buildup of anger and resentment by both sides, blow-ups with fights and arguments, retreat, usually by me, Uh, and then no resolution and turning back to the cycle again. This pattern dominated the first few years of our marriage, and a good early example revolved around the finances um, and certain of my manipulation. Elizabeth was finishing seminary, which I had encouraged her to do. At the same time, I wanted her to contribute more financially through some sort of job. My Jekyll and Hyde act emerged in our financial discussions and budget meetings as I would criticize her spending and complain that we weren't saving enough. Elizabeth got mixed messages, and it would turn one way or another into conflict. This pushed us apart and contributed to her stress. I was also blind and selfish to the emerging signs of Elizabeth's growing depression. To say that I was slow on the uptake was a bit of an understatement. That said, there was evidence of Christ in our lives. He graciously resourced us with great community over the years, people that were pivotal in our slow and stumbling growth. I remember seeing authenticity modeled for me multiple times by men in my community and thinking, man, I really want that. However, I had not surrendered many areas of my life to Christ. I pridefully figured I was just doing okay, and I compared myself relatively to the worldly standards and not God's. Crucial to my health struggles of fatigue and depression was consistent, good sleep. Well, Bryce snores. (laughs) And this became a major struggle for me. I was miserable and, and getting no sleep. It was our first year of marriage, and the honeymoon phase wore off quickly. There were times I went into my closet and cried, wondering why I got married. It was just the rawness of of not having slept. I was scared to reveal my feelings to Bryce, and the pattern of avoiding conflict crept into my marriage. I was fearful of disappointing him. After After more sleepless nights, my clinical depression crept up, and I went down pretty fast. I started sleeping in the other room just so I could get a good night's sleep. I was angry at God, and I felt cheated. It was hard to have hope at this point. Also, I was just really sad for Bryce that this was the new wife that he married. I felt very small and like I'd really let Bryce down. Depression was not new to me, but the concept was foreign to Bryce. Some of our plans for my career had to be put on hold at this time. Our foundation group, however, was pivotal in helping us get through this time. They loved us well through physical needs. They modeled spiritual maturity, true and vulnerable vulnerable accountability, and godly friendship in ways we'll never forget. Things went on like this for a while. Years later, our marriage then took a turn for the turbulent in late 08 when we were faced with another struggle with Elizabeth's depression, complications with our son's pregnancy, going into debt, and the disappearance of any and all margin that existed in our lives. For about a three-year period from late 08 to 2011, our lives seemed to be a constant intersection between joyous events and 
such as the birth of our children and big crises in our lives. It was exhausting. We decided to start a family in 2008, and we got pregnant right away. We found out 20 weeks into our pregnancy that we may have some major problems. They sent us to a specialist, and they were telling us our baby might not live. After many tests, they could not conclude anything, and this told it. That's told us to go home and enjoy the pregnancy. That was a difficult one. Needless to say, this was really difficult. But I can say at the time, this was one of the most unifying for Bryce and I, as every night we opened up our Bible and we prayed together for this child. We prayed for a miracle, and God answered us. Benjamin was born 2009 as a healthy baby. Great, right? Well, two days after we got home at 3 in the morning, Elizabeth started having unbearable back pain. We rushed to the ER with no choice but to bring five-day-old Benjamin in tow. Elizabeth's kidney was bleeding, and we later found out it was due to a cancerous tumor. We were shocked, and by then tired and sad. How could God be allowing this? Didn't he know that we were already overtaxed? We didn't deserve this. A little while later, her kidney had to be removed. We were in and out of the hospital for weeks, living mostly off the generosity from our community and family and Chinese takeout. It stunk, and we felt like victims to an extent, but we got through it, and we went on, hoping and praying for relief. Isaiah 43, 2-3 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. During these months and years, much of our interactions were subjected to the tyranny of the tyranny of the urgent. Our daughters, Lainey and Claire, were born 15 and then 18 months after our son. I was seeking the Lord in short bursts for strength to get through the day. I was trying really hard to choose joy, but sometimes I was just angry at Bryce and our circumstances. I think I had self-pity and I was frustrated because I didn't feel understood. But once again, it was kind of all about me. I felt angry because I thought he knew or should know how bad I was really struggling. I felt like he was watching me drown without throwing me a life jacket. In summer, 2000, uh, I'm sorry, in summer 2012, Bryce was swamped at work, which is a good thing for our finances, but bad for stability in the home. Claire's extended colic only made things worse. It was another adventure that stretched us to the limit with sleep deprivation and rawness. I was depleted myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I was not doing a very good job of supporting Bryce and encouraging him. I resented his work, and it led to him probably wanting to be there more. Bryce typically didn't come home to a happy wife. Usually it was, why are you late? And by the way, here's a screaming kid to take care of. Life was still nutty up to that point. My response to Elizabeth on the outside mostly appeared loving, but that was a shell. Inside of the marriage, I took the role of a victim. I objectified Elizabeth instead of loving her and chose to see her her depression instead of her heart. I thought to myself, why couldn't she just buck up, roll up her sleeves, and just get things done? A low point was when we started a fight after listening to a sermon, no less, in front of our kids. It devolved into a screaming match with a few expletives thrown in. Nice. I made it all about me. Truthfully, I was a coward. Elizabeth needed my love and support more than ever, and I found myself distancing from her and blaming her for my shortcomings. We knew we needed help when we didn't even like being around each other. Finally, re-engage was suggested to us from friends who had been through it. I went reluctantly looking for sympathy and someone else to point out her faults. I entered entered re-engaged, writing our marriage at like a two on the little form. I was fully pointing my finger at Bryce, just knowing he was the one who needed help and thought the main reason we were here 
was because of him. Honestly, it took me a few weeks once we got into our group to see that my part was not of encouraging Bryce and lifting him up. Also, I really learned to speak up and not be silent when it was time to challenge Bryce or when I had feelings hurt and I would just stuff it. That it's my job to speak the truth and love to my husband. I wasn't always honest about how I was feeling and that was not helping the health of our marriage. Also, I had to really confess my anger at Bryce and not being willing to give him the grace God had so beautifully given me. I also learned we need to keep short accounts. Most of all, that we're on the same team. God knew exactly who I needed as a husband, and he gifted me with Bryce. Most of all, I learned we cannot do it alone. So we were raw, hurt, and angry. When I was sitting where you are, my pride was telling me, why am I here? I shouldn't even be here. I thought I was doing pretty good. It was hard early on. We regularly fought before, during, and after re-engage as we unearthed some of this stuff. The parking lot was an entertaining place to be around the Erickson car. (laughs) Strangely, instead of running from this cauldron of crazy, we started leaning into it. We gradually became believers in the notion that grace plus truth plus time does equal change. God changes hearts when we're ready to align ourselves with him and not vice versa. Within six to eight weeks, nearly every couple in our group was experiencing change. I think a reason for this was that we were ready to surrender to God at that point. We also might have been a little tired of fighting, too. In addition, the patience and authenticity of our leaders fostered breakthrough and minimized wasted time hiding behind our appearances. If you're experiencing stagnation in your groups now, I would submit to you Proverbs 12:15: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Which one are you right now? The Holy Spirit moved through our group. We saw logs in our own eye, our hearts grew, and we learned new things about each other after over seven years of marriage. God allowed my heart to receive unpleasant truths. I also began to get a fresh new glimpse at Elizabeth's inner beauty. I saw what attracted to her for, to me in the first place, and I was once again taken by her. At the same time, Elizabeth's health began to be restored. Our kids started sleeping, and her heart began to soften as well. Bryce and I experienced victory experienced victory and joy through Christ's healing and the hard work of re-engage. We prayed and prayed, and earlier this year, God has blessed us with a new community group, and we're thrilled to call them friends and be in the struggle together to follow Christ and have an authentic marriage. Thankfully, today, our hearts are more aligned than ever, and our path has rarely been easy, but both of us have a desire to read scripture and do what it says. It's critical for me to be in the word, but also eat right, exercise, take my vitamins, and have good, honest community. We're doing our best to pursue one another. One of the great blessings now in our marriage is more emotional intimacy, just being each other's friend. My heart has been awakened to my deep love for Jesus and my humility at his great love for me. I'm learning more to abide each day and thus to think about Bryce more than I think about myself. Philippians 2. Oh, sorry, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of, lover, of others. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Our marriage is in such a better place. We've recognized God's grace, sought his word, his love, as opposed to the love of other people's opinions and the love of self. He is enough. We laugh a lot more. We quote funny movie lines and have fake mustache contests. We treasure our community of <clears throat> other people who love us in spite of our faults. 
This summer, we moved neighborhoods in order to be closer to our community. We now live less than a block from two families in our group, which has been really encouraging as we feel called to be there. But at the same time, we have encountered some circumstantial setbacks at work, at home with some resurfacing health issues, and this has tested us lately as we have endured some tough weeks. But scripture in our community reminds us that joy is not determined by our circumstances. Our joy is determined by our relationship with Christ. Oneness in marriage does not come easy, and it's not created overnight. There hurts in marriage that can be easy to hold on to. But I will say there's freedom in confession, and there's freedom in forgiveness. When you start to practice this, God blesses it and builds oneness. This is a verse I've posted on my kitchen window to remind me. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We don't know exactly where you guys are out there. Maybe you feel hopeless, angry, tired, betrayed, or worse. We did. I would just say to you that there is a God of hope who cares for you today, right now. He sees a lifelong process of developing a relationship with him. His covenant to strengthen us does not waver with the ups and downs of our circumstances and our moods. When we fall, he knows whether we will get up. He sees the big picture. And in the big picture, our momentary faltering does not determine the final outcome. We pray that you will experience the same in your marriage. Thanks for letting us share.